Hello, friends and listeners of the Falling Into Soul podcast. This is McCall, your host and creator of this space. It has been a minute since I've been in here, hasn't it? Well, I've uh, spent the last seven months reeling in my energy and my focus in order to finish my second book, which is titled Down from the Mountain on Being Human After Spiritual and Alchemical Initiation. And I am thrilled to tell you it is completed and ready for pre-order. For those of you who can't wait until the end, you can go now to the link in the show notes to learn about the book in pre-order or visit my website, McCallErickson.com. Just a heads up, pre-orders are for U.S. addresses only right now, but rest assured, the book will be available internationally through various platforms when it's released in February, mid-February. So I want to take this episode and talk about the new book so you can know if it's a thing for you or not. For as long as I can remember, I've been interested in two main journeys in life. One, finding out who you are, and two, being it. Both of these journeys have been far more complicated and soul-bearing than I ever could have imagined. First of all, finding out who you are, the essence of who you are underneath all the cultural and familiar conditioning and programming and learned behaviors and trauma, all of that can be a journey that is layers deep. I once thought that awakening itself meant I was there, but awakenings are usually merely the beginning, a glimpse into the light and depth and truth of who we are. It usually takes a lot more sloughing off of the excess to be able to hold a steady alignment with who we are at our core, our core essence, which is what I've always been most interested in. How can I hold that steady alignment as a touchstone, as a way of being? For those of us on the path of psycho-spiritual development, getting down to that place where we can hold alignment with our core self usually requires alchemical procedures of the dark nights of the soul, the dark nights of the spirit, and distillation, which can take time. And this is the journey that I talk about in the second half of the mountain. It's all the alchemy required after first awakening. We awaken to our true nature, but in order to live permanently aligned with our true nature, it's rather disillusioning to be stripped that bare of ideals, beliefs, paradigms of operation, paradigms of relating, and conditionings in order to live from the true self, especially when it includes being stripped of our most loving, enlightened, and evolved notions of ourselves and our spiritual purpose. So that is the first part, the first journey, finding out who you are beyond all ideas of who you ever thought you were. No big deal. <laughs> but then what happens? What happens after you go through the second half of the mountain alchemy to align with your core self? I've been pointing toward this a bit in recent episodes, particularly episode 35, The Journey After the Journey. What happens after we go through the alchemy required to get to the core self is actually rather delicate. When I found myself in this place, which is to say summiting my second half of my mountain, I was incredibly raw, sore, burned out, and disillusioned to the extent that I had no idea what the purpose of the journey even was. I didn't even want to hear the word journey or soul or purpose ever again. I had truly surrendered to becoming nothing and nobody going nowhere in order to know my true essence within, 
which was not marketable, not flashy, or able to be labeled. I had nothing to show for it, and life was still happening around me, pressing in on me, asking me to live it, asking me to be more human and vulnerable than I wanted to be. In short, my spiritual awakening and my alchemical initiation did absolutely nothing to save me from my physical human life. It did nothing to save me from this world. It did nothing to save me from myself. It removed every excess thing so I could finally see life for what it was and live it. So I could finally see myself for who I was and be it. Coming back to life and becoming even more human after these intense spiritual and alchemical journeys is what Down from the Mountain is all about. Once we know who we are, the essence that can't be changed through everything that changes, we're faced with the task of being it. And this Down from the Mountain journey begins with setting down the spiritual seeking, the trying and proving, and just being. What do we find? When we are just being, what happens then? Well, I can tell you what happened for me and what I've found so far, and that's what I share in the book. I'd love to outline the book for you now. I'm going to go off of the table of contents and just kind of give you an idea of what's in this book. It's three parts. Um, Part one is called Crossing Over. And it's all about coming to the end of the journey of seeking, the end of trying to find out who you are and why you're here, and realizing you have no definitive answer for it, but you have no steam left in you for figuring it out. There is a paradoxical action here of surrendering the search, dissolving the search, giving up trying to find what you feel you can't live in without, in order to have a chance of deeply living it, deeply knowing it, or rather becoming it. So there is a lot of surrender here and a lot of acceptance of defeat, which is the title of chapter one. It's called Accepting Defeat. Once we accept defeat, relinquish control, realize we have to move forward without getting what we thought we were looking for, then we have to face the life that is right around us. We have to come back to life, which is chapter two, coming back to life. This is what I call reincarnating into your own life. Because there's no shiny new life waiting for you to enter it. There's your same old life. But something in you is renewed. So you bring that new spark within you, that core essence, into the same old life and see what happens. And what happens is usually quite difficult. Because it asks us to take steps we couldn't take before. It asks us to address things we maybe put on hold so we could go on a healing journey, on our spiritual journeys. It requires relational reckoning, having hard conversations with people in our lives we didn't have the strength to have before because we have to be true to the essence that has been laid bare inside of us. So this is chapter three, the step you don't want to take. It's all about addressing first things first doing the hardest and most important and vital close-in work in our lives, in our relationships, first before moving forward into anything else. This brings us to part two, Strange New Land. And I love this Jack Kerouac quote from the Dharma Bums that I used to begin this part. You can't live in this world, but there's nowhere else to go. You can't live in this world, but there's nowhere else to go. 
When I first read that, I thought, yes, that is exactly how I feel. It's quite a disillusioning thing to go on a spiritual quest to find out who you are and why you're here, to realize that you can't hang out in the spiritual realms forever, that your spiritual purpose or your spiritual nature isn't going to save you from the physical world, and that the spiritual and the physical realms are actually indelibly intertwined, and you can't turn your back on one without the other. So how do you live both in a world that feels like it has no place for you, in a world you feel like you don't belong in? Phew, that's the big question. When you go to great lengths to uncover your true essence and you realize there's no place for that true self in this world, but you can't leave this world either, then what? You have to make a place for yourself in this world. And there's a lot of reckoning with actuality and reality and humanity that comes in at this phase. If we have to live in this world, we have to be human, which is chapter four. It's called What the Human Needs. This is where we learn to excavate and ask for what we need as a human being, not just as a lovey-dovey spirit who can love and light everyone to death, but what do we need as an actual limited, finite, needful human being in a body subject to time and gravity? What does the human actually need in order to live their spiritual purpose in this world? This was such a hard and important reckoning for me. It's all about learning to be vulnerable, ask for what we need, and then being willing to take the answers from life, the universe, and our fellow humans in return. It might not always be the answers we want. That's the vulnerability in it. But we have to ask for what we need. Learning to receive the answers, learning to receive the gift, when and how it arrives, which might not always be according to our preference, which might not always arrive packaged to our liking. This is important work. So how do we recognize the gift? That's chapter five, learning to recognize and receive the gift. Because so much is not how we planned, not how we imagined. So then how do we know how to recognize it? After we get good at recognizing what we need, learning to ask for it, and then receiving it when and how it arrives, then we can start building something new. I mean, actually building, not just tearing down and dismantling and distilling for infinity, but actually building, building something real and lasting. We can begin bringing the dreams that won't stop dreaming us into form. We might not have been able to manifest everything we wanted out of life, but we get we can begin to live what actually wants to be lived through us, what wants to be born through us. This is where we start being in conversation and relationship and co-creating with what the life that is living through us. This is where we really learn to live and navigate and create in deep partnership with soul, with the soul in us. We know the soul cannot be controlled, but we can work with it, create with it. This is the magic. This is the magic dance. And it requires an understanding of and a surrendering to how soul actually works, which I talk about in chapter six, creating and manifesting with soul. Which brings us to part three, into the village. And I don't mean village 
in the old paradigm sense of community, in the sense of community that actually overrode our individuality and made us have to leave to go individuate. I'm talking about very small circles, very close in communal life. It's different now. It's different than our idea of community before. So this starts with chapter 7, going nowhere alone. This is where things start getting rich. This is where things start shifting from being so much about the inner alchemy lab, the individual and personal alchemy, to also being about alchemy with others, creating alchemy labs with other people in our relational spaces with people. This is where we learn to relate and create and live with others from our place of alignment with our individuated core self. I did not always know how to do this. For most of my life, I felt torn between my need to be alone and my need for companionship because I didn't know how to stay aligned with myself and work with others at the same time. I couldn't really hang on to my truth, my alignment, my feelings without being overwhelmed by the feelings, stories, narrative of others. Thank goodness the journey of alchemy and inner work and individuation helped me know how to do this. Because going nowhere alone, the realization that I was going to go nowhere alone, meant that I had to start working with others in a new way. Since the old ways I knew, mostly knew, stemmed from the culturally dominant relational paradigm of codependency, superiority, inequality, and other flavors of intimacy, draining, sabotage, and fuckery. So what I'm trying to say is I had no idea how much relational dysfunction and codependency was still hiding in the shadows of my spiritual and mystical light. I had no idea until I had nowhere else to hide and I had to start needing people again, which showed me how much work I had to do, still had to do in the relational space. And this is what I talk about in chapter eight, working together, how to create magical alliances with other humans that honors autonomy as well as interconnectedness, how to let go of the need to be right without letting go of my alignment, how to hold the tension of differences in the relational space to discover the magical third. This is big work, probably the most magical work of the past 10 years for me. And I do love this part, which brings me to chapter nine, letting it be good. Relationships with other humans are the most magical alchemy labs, full of creative possibilities for growth and healing. And please know, I'm talking about all forms of relationships, not just romantic relationships. Romance hardly enters the picture for me anymore. When we can begin working with others in a new way, doing the same things differently, cleaning up our lingering relational dysfunctions that might have been hidden under the light of our spiritual and mystical gifts, when we can be true to our inner alignment without making ourselves wrong or right for it, without making the other person wrong or right, when we can hold those paradoxes and bothness, we can begin restoring trust with ourselves and trust with others in ways that have been pre previously broken. We can begin working together in ways and places where we jumped ship before. We can begin repairing and restoring where there has been rupture. 
we can engage in this lovely blossoming and fruition, which is also a part of the natural processes of the soul. I know I've talked a lot about the darkness and the the dismantling and the sloughing off of the excess and the decomposing and the fermentation, but there's also this beautiful life that grows from that, the blossoming that comes from all of that process when we actually see it through. And when we do see it through, we can, we can return to this natural ease with a life, at ease with what life really is, not what we wish it was, at ease with life's uncertainty and ambiguity and paradox. We can be at ease creating and moving and flowing in the face of the unknown, and this is where it can be good, which is the title of the last chapter, the final chapter, Letting It Be Good. So this Down from the Mountain journey encapsulates pretty much a 10-year journey for me. I always live a book before I can write it, and no one is ever too happy to hear how long these processes and integrations can take. But what else are we alive for? What a gift to be able to engage in such deep and wild soul healing processes. To have the time and life force to do it, this is a huge privilege and gift I do not wish to waste. So also included in the back of the book is an expanded glossary of alchemical terms and a review of the seven stages of alchemical transformation for reference. I did this so so that those who want to read Down from the Mountain without having read the second half of the mountain can do so without feeling lost about the the alchemy stuff. While Down from the Mountain undoubtedly is a follow-up to the second half of the mountain, it also can stand alone for those who want to start here and just read this book. All right, my friends, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I'm hoping to be back with some regular episodes here again soon. Now that my book is finished, I'm really looking forward to going deeper into the alchemy of the Down from the Mountain journey and some of the stories that I have to share from that. And once again, you can pre-order the book through the link in the show notes or by visiting McCallEricson.com. When you pre-order paper copies of the book directly from me, instead of big stores like Amazon, more of your currency will go directly to me in support of my work, and I appreciate it greatly. So just keep that in mind. I understand it's not always possible. Shipping can be cost prohibitive, or especially for international customers, I understand. And for that, I'm glad Amazon and bigger stores exist. But for those of you who have the means, who want to support me directly and can order directly from my website, please consider doing so. Thank you so much. Until next time.